lot of times we pray that God will release us from a struggle, bring us out of a battle. But here in Joshua chapter one, we're going to see that God is actually sending his people into battle. Because there is something that belongs to them that they're going to have to fight to get back. Amen. Sometimes I wonder if if we are really if we really want to fight to get back what God has called us into. Amen. We want God to make the promise of getting us to the promised land, the promise of fixing our marriage and the promise of getting our financial situation or the, the promise. But but there's a there's a struggle and there's a battle. Just naturally speaking, that there's work that goes into seeing a lot of what we know that God has called us into to see it come to pass. You know, we've talked about faith recently and, you know, faith. A lot of times we uh, relegate it to a belief system. Well, if I just believe and some of us might even take it a little step further to confess it. I was talking with someone last week that said uh, that, you know, they, they have seen God do some amazing things for them this summer. And uh, they know that it was God because the way the things turned out and the way the things that 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 happened just wouldn't happen just in natural circumstances. I mean, my wife and I have seen things happen uh, just this summer as well, that there's no way you can explain it except that God had something to do with it. I mean, people just aren't that nice. (laughs) People don't just give away money. Amen. But God will show up in situations and God cares about those situations. He sure does. He wants to get involved. He wants to, to, to show himself strong. But, but there is a battle and a struggle and a fight a lot of times that he's, rather than leading us out of, he's leading us into. And here in Joshua chapter 1, he's speaking to Joshua, starting with verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, which really he said to Father Abraham generations, you know, thousands of years before Moses and these Israelites even show up in the planet. This is a promise that they're now finally going to get to walk into, going to get to move into that they have known about. How many of you have some promises that you've known about, but you're still waiting to get into them, right? Because God will show you the vision. We learned this when we were talking about cheese and giants. God will show you the vision when you're still in obscurity, when you're still in the pasture, when you're when you're still far from being able to walk into that. Sometimes I wonder if we are able to maintain what God can obtain. I wonder if these Israelites had gone into the promised land any sooner, which we know they wouldn't have made it. Thank God that the previous generation that had to die in the wilderness didn't go in the promised land. They would have been slaughtered. They would have been slaughtered. Why? Because God was able to get them out of Egypt, but he wasn't able to get Egypt out of them. And you will never conquer anything with a slave mentality. You will never conquer anything in your life with a slave mentality. 
You're chained to something that you're you're, you're dictated by something. And, and man, I know that. I mean, it, it's dangerous. The things that we become familiar with. Because some of us become familiar with pain so much that we run to it, even though we hate it. We've become familiar with with financial lack that it's uncomfortable to actually have money. You hearing me tonight? They ran back. They wanted to go back to Egypt, not because they loved it, but because they knew what was coming next. At least I know what's around the corner. Sometimes God is trying to deliver us out of something or deliver us from something and into something. But but we haven't. He's brought us out of the thing, but we haven't gotten the thing out of us. We don't know what to do with this freedom. There's a powerful book I would recommend it to every single person on this planet by Miles Monroe called The Burden of Freedom. The Burden of Freedom by Miles Monroe. I said it twice so you could write that down and look it up later and maybe go buy it. The Burden of Freedom by Miles Monroe. What do we do with this freedom? Freedom is more more difficult to live with than slavery. And so he's got these people and they ended up having to die. Why? Because they would not be able to maintain what God would obtain. You can get into the promised land, but can you keep the promised land? It's one thing to get something. It's another thing to maintain it. It's another thing to be able to take care of it. And so, you know, there's a lot of questions that we've got to ask. There's a lot of. Looking inward, God's made a promise. And a lot of times we're saying, God, I'm waiting. God, I'm waiting. God, I'm waiting. God, I'm waiting to see this. God, I'm waiting to see that. And, and, and God is saying, you're not ready. You're not ready. Let me keep working. Let me keep moving. You got to work on this. You got to work on that. God, bring me, uh, you know, the, 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 the one. Believing for a marriage, believing for a spouse. But you're not ready. You could obtain a marriage, but could you maintain a marriage? You could obtain a savings account, but could you maintain a savings account? You could upta- you could obtain godly friends and godly relationships, but could you maintain them? Would you suck them dry like you sucked everybody else dry? So we've got to be able to maintain what God wants us to obtain. Said so Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to, the Mo- to, to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That sounds awesome. Sign me up. Everywhere I step is going to belong to me. The territory as far as this river to the going down. I mean, how many of you would like a territory that spans? He can't even put a a marker, a geographical marker on it. He says all the way out to uh, the sun. That's how far it's going. That's your land. That's incredible. I can't even it doesn't end anywhere. It it belongs to you. If you walk on it, it belongs. And I will never leave you, Kyle, and I will never forsake you. Yeah. Sign me up. Look at the next word. Look at the next verse. So be strong and of good courage. If I need to be of good courage, that means there might be something that might make me afraid. 
For to this people you shall, to, you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He says it again. Only be strong and very courageous. God, you're making me nervous. That's two times now you've told me to be courageous. What are you saying? Are you alluding to something? Is there, is there a, you know, because faith has risk involved. Anyone ever known that? Faith has risk. Not risk that God might not do something, but risk that in the natural it goes completely against what you should be doing. Because that's just how God likes it. That's just how God likes it. When man can't explain it. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know how this is happening. We don't even have a name for it yet. Make up one. All the other names are made up, right? It's amazing that we've had to put words in our vocabulary that God never intended us for us to use. God never intended for us to know the word cancer. Leukemia. Never intended for us to know the word dysfunction. Something not operating the way it's designed to operate. God's like, that's not even in my vocabulary. So God is saying only be strong, very courageous. God, how am I going to be strong and very courageous? That you may observe to do according to all the law, which who? Which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Which Moses, my servant, commanded you. If you're anything like me, when I get into a new struggle, a lot of times I look for a new word. God, what, what, are, you, what are you speaking? What are you saying? What are you trying to show me? And he's saying here, I want you to do the last thing I told you to do. A lot of, a lot of times to, to get into the next thing that God is trying to bring you to, you've got to do the last thing he told you to do. You can sit on your hands and knees and pray for a new word and God, a new sign and a new revelation. And he's saying, I want you to do the last thing I told you. The law, do according to the law that my servant Moses, just because it's dead doesn't mean it's irrelevant. Just because he's gone doesn't mean I'm not operating that that way. Moses might be gone, but his word, the word that I commanded him is still here. And many times what God is speaking to us in a new season is what he spoke to us in the past season. Only be strong and of good courage. Be very courageous. He says, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your what? Your mouth. Your mouth, not your heart, not your mind, not your head, not your thought. He says it's got to be on your lips, in your mouth. There's something about studying and reading and hearing the word, but there's also something about speaking the word. Now, look what he's asking them to speak. I mean, they don't have a list of confessions like we do. 
I mean, if you want confessions, I can get them to you. I can get you confessions on healing. I can get you confessions. I mean, Google it. But they don't have Google. So they can't Google confessions on entering promised land. Well, what's he say? Speak. Get it in your mouth. The book of the law. Why? Because when you abide by God's law, you get God's blessing. Blessing follows obedience. So he's, he's saying you need to recite. You need to confess what I've told you to do. What I've told you to do. The commands. That, I mean, that's not that's not fun. Commands don't make a great confession. But that's what he's saying to do. He shall not depart from your mouth. Do not turn from the right from it to the right or to the left. That you may prosper wherever you go. You shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Meditate means to chew on, to think on, to chew on or think on. See, God's promises are are tied up in all of this. Where they're going, they will get because of what they're saying. What are you what are you speaking What's in your mouth? What's on your lips? A lot of times we talk ourselves out of the very things that God is trying to talk us into. We're saying the very opposite. And God is saying you're losing the battle in your mouth. I mean, I've, I've listened to people. You could have fooled me if you were if you were believing for healing or believing for this or believe, because all I've heard is the opposite. Look, I understand there's a report that the doctor gives you. I understand that. But you don't have to continue to say it and you don't have to accept it as this is what it is. And this is what we have to put up with. You don't have to do that. Well, how long do I stand on that as long until you get it? <laughs> Why would I come off? Well, I've been standing for three months. I haven't seen any change. Then stand for three months in one day. And then three months in two days. And then three months in three. You just keep standing. 92, 93, 94. I'm not coming off. 25 years Abraham waited to get his son. I'm telling you, there is some endurance. Jesus said uh, that, that uh, there will be an enduring. Didn't say enjoying. Enduring. But then you know what he said? Be of good cheer. He said, while you're enduring, be of good cheer. Put a smile on your face. Put a smile on your face. It's all about perspective, right? I mean, at this point, they haven't crossed over. they're, They're getting the command. They're getting the directive. They're getting, you know, it's coming from the head. This is what I want you to do. He's given it to, to Joshua. And then Joshua is going to relay this to the people. But he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So what I hear Becomes what I say and what I say becomes what I do. Application. Observe to do according to all that is in it. Now there's a doing. Now there's an application. Now there's an, uh, uh, an applying of the word. 
Then he says, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Remember, he's trying to get these people into the promised land. Into the promised land. The promised land. The promise of God. See, the enemy makes threats, but God makes promises. The enemy makes threats. But his threats aren't promises. But you know what I've learned in my life when it comes to faith? Is that the devil's threat and God's promise both rely on my faith. I'll say that again. The devil's threat and God's promise both rely on my faith. They take me into two different directions, but they both operate in the same function. They both need me to believe in it that it will come to pass for it to come to pass. So I can listen. Usually we equate faith with God and fear with the devil. But I want to submit to you today that fear is just the result, the byproduct of putting faith in the wrong thing. So I can believe in the devil's threat and it bring me fear or I can believe in God's promise and it will bring me peace. Peace that passes all understanding. See, peace doesn't need an explanation. Peace doesn't need an explanation. I don't need the doctor's report tomorrow to line up with what we just prayed to be at peace. I'll say thank you for that report. We're going to continue to stand in faith and we are at peace regardless of what you say. Are you hearing me? It's not peace. Peace is not subject to getting the right answer. So many. See, whatever you attach your peace to, it's subject to. If you attach your peace to the external, if you attach your peace to everything going right in the natural, if you attach your peace to as long as my marriage is okay, I'm at peace. If as long as as long as I get that report from the doctor, I'm at peace. As as long as as long as my boss doesn't treat me this way, I'm at peace. But if he doesn't see peace can't function that way. Peace is supposed to surpass all understanding. Any explanation. Any environment, any atmosphere. No, peace is not relegated to what's going on around me. It's determined by what I choose on the inside of me, internally. You've got to attach your peace to what's on the inside. So that promised land is out there and we've got the enemy's threats and we've got God's promises. And notice that he he does not say You know, be strong and very courageous because I've already gone in there and taken care of everything. All you need to do is just inhabit it. No, they've got work. They've got their work cut out. All that work that they spied on in Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14, where they said there's no way we could overtake it. There's no way we can overcome it. There's no way we could. They're they're bigger than us. I mean, we're just grasshoppers in their eyes. And they allowed the size of the giants to overrule the size of the grapes. Because they pulled down some grapes that they had to have two people carry them. I don't know the last time you've gone to the grocery store and said, babe, I need your help with this one. We got, we got. 
I can't get it to the car. Get up, go, go grab a pole. Come on, get it on there. We got to carry this thing. I, I don't know the last time you saw grapes like that, but they did. Clusters of grapes so big, two people had to carry it on a pole between them. I don't know about you, but that's pretty extraordinary. That's making me want to go in and slay some. I don't care what size. Have you seen the grapes? Have you seen the size of the fruit here? What giant? I mean, at some point, what God is showing you and what God is revealing to you has to be more real than what the enemy is presenting to you. At some point, you've just got to decide that I am not moved by what I see and I am not moved by what I hear and I'm not moved by how I feel because there's something that is not seen that is more real than what is seen. There is something that is eternal that is greater than what is temporary. And this is subject to change. That's what temporary means. The word temporary means subject to change. God's word is not subject to change. It it always has been. It always will will be. It's true whether you want to believe it or not. It's not subject to change. He doesn't change his mind about healing. He doesn't change his mind about your your anxious, your anxiety in your mind. He doesn't change his mind. If he says, do not be anxious for anything, then he means do not be anxious for anything. And he would not command you to do something you could not do. If he said, do not be anxious, then it must be within our power by the spirit of God and by the grace of God to not live anxiously about everything. But I know people that are anxious about everything, everything that comes their way. Everything. My, my, my wife had a show on the other day, Dr. Phil. Dealing with this lady that was addicted to live streaming her life. Anybody see that? No, good. Not worth it. And I, I, I was just sitting there. I was like. How does Dr. Phil even have time to take this on? Like, is this really even a conversation we need to have? She's addicted. She has to. She she had the the cops came to her house and she had to YouTube it. I mean, just YouTubing the pizza that she, I mean, literally every her and her every second of her life fights with her husband on YouTube. And just just the most anxious lady I've ever seen. In my life, anxious about I might be I might have this. Have you ever noticed those people that they're just victimized by everything? The pepper on their table can kill them. It's 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 amazing. How does our mind get there? It's because we don't take control of it. We don't operate. We don't allow the word to work in our life. We look at what is seen rather than. Looking at what is eternal, what is not seen. We just got to make that choice, make that decision. That's what faith is all about. Faith is believing in what is not seen. It doesn't take faith to believe in what is seen. But sometimes we put more faith in the enemy's threat than we do in, the God's, in God's promise, in the promise of God. He said, this is how you make your way prosperous. This is how you will have good success. Now, why is he telling them to meditate? Think on, chew on, 
confess and apply the law, the word of God. He knows that they're getting ready to encounter something that is opposite of that. You go into chapter 2 and Joshua commands the people, he says, and prepare yourselves. Have you prepared yourself for the promise? Promises require preparation. You don't just casually, nonchalantly wake up one day and there's the promise of God in your life. I didn't even do anything. I didn't even have to make it. I didn't have to think. No, it comes with great work. It comes with great effort. It comes with great application. It comes with standing on and believing regardless of what comes against you. He knows, look, the same issues that came against your fathers in Numbers chapter 13. When they went into this land, they saw a bunch of stuff. They saw the threats. And the giants that they saw were more real than the promise that I made. So you are going to have to go in and you're going to have to prepare yourself. Now, thank God with these individuals, they were a clean slate. They didn't know slavery. Every single person except for Joshua and Caleb was a clean slate. Well, guess what? So are you. When you are brought into the kingdom, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it's your choice if you drag in the old stuff. It's your choice if you walk into new lands with old thinking. That is up to you. But God has a way of washing you clean, washing you new. He says, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Think on these things. Whatever is true. Whatever is noble. Whatever is good. Whatever is of good report. Why? Because there will be some bad reports, but what is in your mind will override what you see in your life. But, but preparation is proactive. So many of us wait until we get in the land. Okay, now I'll get myself ready. No, no, no. He says, you prepare yourself now. Prepare. Preparation. Are you believing for promises you've never prepared yourself for? No, he says there's preparation. I've got to shield myself. I've got to get in the word. Get in the word. I know it's 2018. And we want a new gimmick and a new trick and a new, uh, you know, get rich plan and a new, uh, uh, you know, Get there quick, but there is no shortcut to this stuff. There, there's no other way around it. This word that he gave to these individuals to get into their promised land is exactly what you are going to need to get into your promised land. So you better start surrounding yourself with the word of God. I mean, when I say the word of God is invaluable, when I say the word of God must be of a utmost priority, I mean that. I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor and I have to. I don't have a quota to meet uh, that God gives me. He said, you have to mention that the word is powerful at least four times a year. I, I don't care. There's nothing going to pull me off of this. I just talked to someone today, an uh, 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 individual that's been coming for a little while, and, uh, and called him on the phone, just wanted to introduce myself and, and, and you know, try to coordinate, some, you know, getting together with them. And, and, and I said, man, it's just been so good having you. I said, man, you don't know how valuable it is for us to be in a word church. We have been looking for this for a long time. That's the greatest compliment I can get. 
I don't care if we don't have all the likes, all the gimmicks, all the tricks, all the coffee, all the all the seats, all the events, all the production. I don't care about that. But if we have the word, we've got everything. And everything else we do in this church is only to supplement the word. And if it doesn't put the word first and if it doesn't put the word on top, then I don't want to do it. And if you want to go to the highlight reel and if you want to go to the dance party and you want to go to the entertainment show, go ahead. This is going to be a word church. And that is what we will always be founded on, because when the when the battle comes, when the cancer report comes or the the, my daughter is is trying to kill herself comes or the the money's run out or the job is gone. The only thing that's going to get you through is the word. The only thing that's going to get you into the promised land is the word of God. Meditate on this word day and night. Confess it with your mouth. The worst thing we could do as a church in these last days is lose the power of the word of God. And we've got our little verse of the day. and We've got our apps that can, that, that can shoot us and, and give us a little tangible tingle, uh, you know, every day, uh, uh, like, like I've been in the Word. But there's something about devotion. There's something about study. There's something about chewing on, meditating on, thinking on, dwelling on, going back to. Now I can preach this stuff on Wednesdays. I got my stronger group here. Y'all can take it. I, I just had note cards printed. They're shipped. They're on the way. We're going to learn to exercise taking notes in church. I'm serious about it. I'm not kidding. And you can throw them on the, on the ground. You can put them in the track. I don't care what you do. But I'm going to make it available to you to encourage you to take notes. Why? Because you remember better what you write down than just what you hear. I don't go to any church without my Bible and a notepad. iPad. Give me a stick. Give me a, a receipt in my back pocket. I'm going to mess that thing all up. Give me a napkin from the restaurant. Notes. I've got notes everywhere. And I go back to them. I don't just take notes just to take notes. I pull them out. I read over them again. I highlight. Pastor Earl, he's like, anytime he preaches and I'm there, he's like, got to give me your notes. Because I, I take notes, man. You got to take notes. You got to write stuff down. Just, yeah, the, the, David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin. We act like living a sinless life or living above sin or free from sin is like this untouchable thing. And you know what David said? He says, it's all about the word. And you know what? David was able to live that way with only half of what we have. He didn't have the epistles from Paul. He didn't have the gospels about Jesus's life. He didn't have the in Christ realities. David didn't even have that. And he did more with less than what we do with what we have. We have just a plethora of uh, such a rich resource that can get us so many places. I was thinking about this the other day because I believe in the power of prayer and, and, and prayer is, is a, a, another lacking. I'm just going to hit all of them. We'll just talk about prayer. We'll talk about devotion. We'll talk about 
I saw something today that said uh, God didn't call us to be Christians. He called us to be disciples. Most believers might not even know the difference. But I was thinking about this, that, you know, there, there I, I love the power of prayer. I love what prayer can do. But there are some things that that prayer can do and won't do. And if prayer, if more people praying was really the answer, I, I believe we just need one. Maybe get me someone to agree with so that way the, the word can be confirmed where there are two or three. If two or three would touch and agree on anything, and it will be done for them. That's what Jesus said. Just get me one more. I, I think it was Jesse Duplantis that said, and even if I'm by myself, I get the Holy Spirit to agree with me. That makes two. All right, Holy Spirit, you're agreeing. And he always will as long as it's according to the word of God. But I saw recently a pastor posted on Instagram that their uh, daughter was sick and they were asking for healing for her. A very well-known pastor. And I can't remember the number of comments, but it was in the tens of thousands, probably twenty-five to 30,000 comments Praying hand emoji, and uh, we're praying, we're believing. A few people would confess, and and how many of those actually prayed, I, we we don't know. But but if it was the case that we just need more accumulation of people praying, she should have been healed like that, compared to people that prayed in the Bible that, that you know they just had the person in the room, they couldn't even get down the street or get a word across. You know they couldn't even call somebody and say, hey, agree with me. Sometimes I think we place value on the wrong thing. I'm thankful that we could get the word out to 30,000 people. And if 1% of them actually pray, that's great. That's awesome. But God moves on one prayer. Just as much as he'll move on 30,000 prayers. Let's, let's not deceive ourselves into thinking that we're doing something greater. God's not impressed he said, I've been doing this from day one. I didn't need a Twitter account. I didn't need Instagram. I didn't need to live stream it. I, I didn't. I've been doing this with whoever will be obedient and whoever will respond to my word and believe in my word. There's threats and there's promises. Verse nine, he wants to round this thing out. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. God, you're, you're, you're making me nervous. Is there something? I'm, you know, if someone tells you, don't be afraid three times. It's like when I tell Camden, he's, you know, working up the nerve to ride a roller coaster at Wild Adventures. At Wild Adventures. All right. No, you can't be scared. Stop telling me that and I, I'll be fine. Just let me figure it out when I get there. The more you keep telling me that, the more I'm starting to think that maybe there's something I should not. Maybe this is not something I should be participating in. But he's saying, do not be afraid. Nor dismayed. For the Lord your God has already destroyed all the battles. No. See, it's not about what's before you. It's about who's with you. What does he say? For the Lord your God is with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear 
no evil, for you are with me. I can walk anywhere in faith when he's with me. Knowing he's with me. Now look at Joshua chapter 2. Worship team, if you'd come back up. Joshua chapter 2. incredible to read the word when you really read the word and you see what God brought people through when you see how God delivered people brought people through such great scenarios but so many times we disconnect When we're reading the word like, yeah, but that was King David. That was that was Joshua. That was Moses, man. I mean, of course, water would come out of a rock for Moses. Of course, the Red Sea would part. Because Moses, man. But but Moses was a loser. Moses was worse off than most of us in this room today. If Moses walked in here today, we'd tell him to go somewhere else. He's a murderer. He's a liar. A manipulator. A cheater. Can't even talk right. I mean, we would have been like, Paul? Really? I mean, can you imagine... Ananias being the first believer that Paul is like, well, wait a minute. And the Bible records this. God, you want me to minister to who? He's coming here to kill us. He's coming here to set us on fire and to hang us and to put us in jail. You want me to minister to him? But yet he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. What I'm saying is, is the stuff that the great people in the Bible did, it, 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 it's not taught. You don't have to have a certain disposition. Anybody can do it. That's what I'm saying. Anybody can do it. What was the command to go into the promised land? Be strong. Very good. Very courageous. Do not be afraid. Observe to do all that you read. Confess the word. Meditate on it. Those are things we can do. I mean, when I read through that, I'm like, I can do that. I can observe to do all that is written there. I I can confess the word of God over my life. I, I can do that. I can do that. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. So they send in some spies. I'm surprised Joshua even did that. Because I'd be thinking, okay, the last time we sent in spies, that didn't turn out so good. It was eight against two. I got outnumbered. They wanted to throw stones at me. But they send in spies and they come to a 
a harlot's house named Rahab. It's amazing the people God will use. In verse 9, this is what she has to say. This is the other side. Anybody want the inside scoop? I'm telling you, you wouldn't be as afraid of the devil if you knew how afraid he was of you. Because the enemy a lot of times knows more about who we are than we know about who we are. The devil knows what you're all about. The devil, see, you thought you just came down here and, and, you know, gave your life to Jesus and prayed with someone at the altar. But the devil started going, oh, oh no, God, God, are you serious? This one, I was going to use this one. This one was sleeping around on everybody and ruining every girl he came into contact. This one was, was, was spending money on crazy. This one was lost and deprived. This one, this one, I was going to use this one. I lost them. Because the devil knows what's really going on inside of you. More than some of us. He knows. He knows. And in verse 9. This is what she said to the men. I know that the Lord has given you the land. My gosh, this is the enemy. This is the enemy. This is the other side. This is the inside scoop. I want you to see this because it's the same perspective we need to have about our situation. We know that the Lord has given you the land. Watch this, that the terror of you has fallen on us. I mean, if I'm hearing this, I'm going to be thinking, what was dad so scared of? Why didn't we take this thing 40 years ago? What did we wait so long for? They're afraid of us. And that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. Because of you. The devil's afraid of you. We're afraid to go into the land, but the land is afraid of us. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. See, you you didn't know. Word got out. The word on the street is, your God does some crazy stuff. The word on the street is that he opened up an entire sea and you guys walked across and then the sea closed up on your enemies. We don't want to be a part of that, bro. We don't want to be a part of that. We heard. You thought that that was just between you and God. You thought that that was just between you and the Egyptians. It got all the way to the promised land. For when, uh, for you, when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Come on. Come on. See, faith is just a matter of perspective. Faith 
See, you, the reason the faith hasn't been built up is because we've been dwelling on the wrong thing. We've been thinking on the wrong thing. We've been meditating on the wrong thing. That's why he said, meditate in my word day and night. Don't let it part from your eyes. You've got to prepare yourself for this battle. This fight is not yours. It's the Lord. But you've got to go in. But here's the thing. Here's the tricky part. They're more afraid of you than you are of them. Now, is the wall still built up? Yep. Is the city still locked in? Yep. There's no defying that. Is the report from the doctor still coming back negative? Yep. It's just a wall. It's just a wall. Is the money still not coming in like you expected it? It's just a wall. Is the relationship not mending like you thought it would when you started walking in love according to the word of God? It's just a wall. Because the ones on the other side are more afraid of me. They're actually already observing that he is God. Do you recognize that they were only... See, all those people were doing was confirming what God had already told them. The sickness and disease is just a wall. God can take down walls. Now, how do the walls come down? Well, that's another night. Maybe we'll go there next week. Because the walls come down when you do what you don't feel like doing. The walls come down when you do what you can so God can do what he can. But many of us don't want to take the time to walk around the wall so that God can bring down the wall. And your job is actually very simple compared to his job. But it feels stupid to walk around a wall. We should be having pickaxes and we should be chiseling away at this thing. At least give us a sword to fight. He said, nope, just walk. Don't say a word. Hallelujah. So what battle are you fighting? Stand up with me. Stand up with me. What battle are you fighting? Come on, picture it in your mind. Close your eyes. Picture it in your mind. What battle is it? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, a, a physical ailment. What battle? What wall is standing in between you and your promise? He said, be of good courage. He said, meditate on my word day and night. He said, confess the word. Don't let it depart from your lips. Let it be in your mouth. This is how we fight our battles. We don't fight with flesh and blood. We don't fight with swords and spears. We don't fight with natural weapons. We fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons, spiritual insight, spiritual power. Hallelujah.